Hi, this is Glenn Hughes, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalheads, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to another episode of Focus on Metal. Hope everyone enjoyed last week, or actually the last two weeks worth of uh, Doug Aldrich retrospective. Good job by Richie, talking Doug all through uh, at least a good chunk of his career, but I mean, the guy's done so much stuff, it's impossible to get it all in in, uh, in under two hours, but uh, I think Richie did a pretty good job. If you missed any of that, then uh, definitely head up to either iTunes or or over to FocusOnMetal.net and check out episodes 351 and 352 and learn about all things Doug Aldrich. And if you haven't noticed by now, Richie really enjoys doing those career retrospectives, and he just recently got another one in the can. That is a great one that he had with James Kotak. And of course, we've had James on the show before when we were doing the Little Mountain Sound Project but uh, in this case, it was an opportunity for Richie to uh, get on the horn with James and talk about everything going on uh, past, present, and future with his career. But that's not going to be this week. That is something to look forward to in the very near future. So I know, now you're thinking, all right, you tease us with the whole James Kotak thing. What the heck are you going to run this week? Well, I'll tell you. It's going to be a bit of a mixed bag this week in uh I've got a great guest, Chris Combs from the band Iris Divine, and he'll be on talking all about their second release, The Static and the Noise. And I decided that I'm going to sandwich that between uh, two big chunks of new music. So that is what is in store. We're going to do some uh, new music. Then we're going to talk to Chris Combs all about the uh, new album from Iris Divine, and we'll ride the show out with another chunk of new music. So the mission this week is to get a great new band on your radar, as well as let you know about some great new music. And uh, since we are going to be playing so much new stuff this week, uh, no real sense in doing a track of the week. Why don't we just dive right into it? Where will you go? Where 
So I figured, you know, coming off of last week with Doug Aldrich and stuff, that we might as well just kick off this week looking at new releases with, of course, the uh, the new one from Revolution Saints, Light in the Dark. And that was the track Ride On. Up next is a band called 12 Noon. Just put out their debut album. It's called Saints and Sinners. Came out on Eclipse Records. And uh, their A&R guy happens to be our good buddy, Chris Poland. Yep, that Chris Poland, the uh, legendary initial lead guitar player for the one and only Megadeth. And, uh, you know, Chris, besides doing some of his uh, musical endeavors these days, is out there looking out for great new bands. And this is one that uh, was signed to Eclipse Records under the watchful eye of Chris Poland. So these guys, they're from uh, Pittsburgh, so a little bit of East Coast metal here. Been around since 2015. They were doing a lot of cover stuff, and they decided that uh, they really figured out where they wanted to go, ditched the covers, and started writing some material. And they've been out touring for a bit. They've been out with We Are Harlot. They were out with Texas Hippie Coalition and a bunch of other bands. And, uh, you know, they kind of have a kind of an alternative metal sound. There's still some hearkening back to things like Godsmack in here. But all in all, pretty honest album, pretty straightforward, good stuff, nice tempos in there. And this week I figured I would play you the track that first caught my ear off of this one, a little track called Back For More. Once again, the name of that band was 12 Noon, their debut album, Saints and Sinners. So up next, and I don't know why I didn't put this right after Rev Saints, but another album from a big band came out the same day as the Rev Saints album. I know that Richie made a post early that morning talking about the, the fact that these two albums were coming out. And I don't know, probably like 15 minutes later, there was a reply on Twitter with the simple response, L.A. Who? 
And of course, I'm talking about the brand new L.A. Guns album, The Missing Piece, and that is uh, P-E-A-C-E. So The Missing Piece, and this one really has been getting a lot of uh, press because once again, it is a reunion of Tracy Guns and Phil Lewis. People kind of consider that to be the core of the classic L.A. Guns sound, or if nothing else, the core of the classic L.A. Guns songwriting team. So again, big press around this one because of Tracy and Phil coming back together again. Not sure if we're going to get any interview time on this one, but I figured I'd roll it out for you anyways, play a track off of the missing piece. This one's called Speed. Let's roll one more before we get into our interview with Chris Combs of Iris Divine. And up next, I've got a band from the UK. Uh, They've been around since 2014, did uh, two self-released EPs in 2014-2015, respectively. And uh, now they are signed with Frontiers Records. They've got their debut release, and it is self-titled. The name of the release is called Bigfoot. That means, obviously, the name of the band is also called Bigfoot. I don't know how I feel about a band from the UK called Bigfoot when that's always uh, so associated with the uh, with the US. But anyways, great band. These guys really like the vocals on this. And uh, they just have, I don't know, just a very cool all-around sound. Been doing some extensive touring over there. They've been opening for uh, bands like The Darkness, Rob Zombie, uh, Black Label Society, UK Legends, Thunder. And what I consider very, very cool is a band that's very close to our hearts here at Focus on Metal. These guys have also been on the bill with Saxon. And if you're listening to this show on the week that it comes out, these guys are still out on tour. And you can uh, catch them uh, on uh, Thursday of this week at 11 in Stoke. And then on Friday night, they'll be playing at Fuel in Cardiff. And on Saturday, November 4th, they will be at the station in Canuck. 
So, uh, you know, these guys, obviously Road Dogs, but great new album from these guys. Once again, from our friends at Frontiers Records. The name of the band is called Bigfoot. The name of the album is called Bigfoot. You want to know more about these guys, go to bigfootband.co.uk. And the name of this track is Freak Show. It's the pictures in my mind that make me feel alive Just a story but no one ever told me the dreams could come to life Bigfoot from their debut album, Bigfoot. And again, if you want to find out more about those guys, go to bigfootband.co.uk. Also gives their store link there as well. Got some bundles there. Get their first two EPs. Get the latest CD, all signed. Stickers, picks, all kinds of good stuff. So again, that's bigfootband.co.uk. So as promised... On to our featured guest of the week. That would be Chris Combs from Iris Divine. And these guys, you know, I really hadn't ever heard of Iris Divine, but one of the PR guys said, hey, you know, can you do me a favor and uh, talk to this band? And, uh, you know, uh, for whatever reason, this guy's always done really well by us. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of trust in what he talks about. So I thought, what the heck, sent me the album and uh, just a really, really cool album. Of course, I'm talking about their second album, The Static and the Noise. 
And uh, I don't know, it's, you know, they call it progressive metal, but as I talked to Chris in the interview as well, I really have a problem calling it progressive metal. He kind of comes up with his own term, his own unique genre for Iris Divine, but uh, they're definitely something more than just progressive metal. Only three guys in the band. There's uh, Navid Rashid, he's on vocals and guitar, Chris Combs on drums as well as doing keys and programming and Brian Dobbs on bass. If you want to find out more about these guys, you can go to irisdivineband.com. Hit them up on Facebook, Iris Divine. And then on Twitter, they're Iris Divine Band. And all the videos and stuff these guys have put out, they have their own uh, YouTube channel, which is Iris Divine Official. So again, their new one is called The Static and the Noise. And this came out at the very beginning of October. And I actually did this interview with Chris just prior to the release. And, you know, in order to be able to play all the stuff that I wanted to play off of this for you guys, I had to do this post-release date. And I really thought I would be shortchanging them if I had just played that interview within the week or so that I did that with Chris. And I, I wanted everyone to be able to experience all of the cool stuff that these guys have done. So The Static and the Noise is their follow-up to their 2015 first full length they're called karma Sono. also another really awesome album and you know i might even if the spirit moves me play a track off of that as well this week but uh yeah so anyways this one follows up with that these guys are out of virginia they've played with a whole bunch of different people they've been out with fate's warning they've been out with orphan land so definitely these aren't just guys sitting at home and just doing this on, you know, on their computer in their bedroom and never hitting the road. Definitely these guys go out, they play live. So I would urge you to uh, keep up with them on social media, see when their tours are happening and go out and catch them live. But in the meantime, why don't we get into my chat with Chris Combs from Iris Divine. Hey, metalheads, kick back, relax. Raise the horns and stay tuned for another original Focus on Metal, Metal Side Chat, with your host, Scott Thompson. All right, guys, on the line tonight, I have with me Chris Combs from the uh, prog metal band Iris Divine, and I kind of almost feel weird calling you guys prog metal because you don't fit kind of that straight thing that everyone thinks of as prog metal. You know, we're actually learning that this time around. Um, in our, a lot of our promo material, we reference Fate's Warning and a couple of the classic prog metal kind of bands. And I think with this album, we kind of veered away from that. So I, I can I can totally understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah, yeah. In fact, even going back and looking at some of the reviews for for uh, for Karma Sone and stuff, and seeing people saying, "Well, you're you're kind of like Evergrey with." With parts of of, uh, of Symphony X and things, and it's like, yeah, I kind of. I haven't too, seen those. But... I haven't actually seen those reviews. The ones that from Karma Sound that stood out to me are the ones where people would say we sounded like the Love Child of Mashuga and Haken, <laughs> which that's interesting. I don't think at the time when we were working on Karma Sound, I even knew who Haken was. Yeah. Um, I definitely do now. But at the time, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know who they were. I knew Sugar, of course. Mm. But well, yeah, we'll get we'll get the references all across the board from a bunch of different bands. So yeah, when we just throw the prog metal thing out, I think people get a little confused. I I love to say um, more technical Alice and Change, and maybe that can fix it up a little better. Huh, yeah, that that's a good way of actually putting it. But uh, definitely, you know, very very cool album. And it was interesting, you know, putting it on and listening to it, and you start playing Catalyst. 
and you, you pretty much have like a whole minute of nothing but instrumental. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I, I hope this isn't a five minute plus instrumental because this is like not going to make me happy. And then, uh, you know, pretty much the, the minute in, you guys almost like statement of intent when you go, there is no justice in the court of lies. And I'm thinking, that's their opening statement on the album is that it's like holy crap uh just uh it, it just kind of it kind of just kind of skewed my whole perception of, of everything else after that when when i when that was the first words out of it was like wow um i thought just a great and, way to kind of sequence that yeah and it's funny because um Naveed, our, our guitar player and singer him and i went back and forth on the sequencing of the album a lot mm-hmm. i had a completely different take for a long time he had a completely different take and then finally we came together at the very last minute we switched two songs and one of them was catalyst mm-hmm. it was catalyst and the static and the noise the static and the noise was supposed to start the album oh, and at the very last minute we flipped it and I, we all like it a lot better this way so I, I didn't even think about it from the statement from that first lyric of Catalyst because mm. that even gives it a whole new meaning. Yeah, it's just it. It's just it's pretty ballsy to 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 do that and and have like that long of and, you know because some bands will especially you know, more in the prog genre or even in power metal they they might have that that minute long separate thing that they call a song which is just that little intro but I'm like this is pretty ballsy that they're doing almost a minute of instrumental before they actually get into lyrics on song one. If I yeah, if I had it my way, we would have opened an, an album with an instrumental. But who, who knows? Maybe we could still do that. I'm sure that would upset a lot of people. But that's the way that I think. Yeah, you know, you you, you talk about the static and the noise. Another really cool song, really interesting, and a lot of stuff going on in there. The one thing that messed me up on that song is that you've got this one little sound effect that keeps going off with the beat. In that, it sounds just like one of my damn notification tones on my phone. And I'm like, <laughs> on my phone, I'm like. God damn it! It's the song, but it's like it's it's dead nuts to like one of those tones. But it, it just let do you, me. Do you know? Do you know where in the song it is? I'd love to see if I could figure that out. Um, it's it's probably about like halfway through the song. Okay, is it kind of like a pulsing industrial kind of sound? Yes. Yeah, I know exactly where that is. I think that's in the second chorus. We didn't do it in the first one, but we have it in the second chorus. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, we had it in a couple other parts throughout the song, and then we trimmed it back and just left it in the second chorus, and I think in the third one. Yeah. Or maybe it's, sorry, I'm sorry, it's pre-chorus, not chorus. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It, it made me actually start listening to like, oh, what else is going on in here? And, and, and I like the fact of when the things aren't there like at the beginning and they, they come in and they go right. away and it, it lends a different depth to the song and stuff. And uh, yeah, I just it was one of those things that really caught my ear. Well, first it screwed me up because I thought it was my phone. And then after that, it was like, wow, this is pretty cool because I, I love doing that too when with doing songs with right. bands are going, let's just let's put this little part in here. We're going to mix it way down low. Some people yeah. will get it, some yeah. people won't.
we do that a lot. And actually, when we when I'm working on the programming, I do all the programming, the keyword stuff, and the samples. And when I'm working on it, I'm, I do it with headphones on because I want the listener to bring it in from a headphone perspective. If you're laying down listening to it on headphones, it takes a couple extra listens to figure out what all is going on. It's not just guitar and bass and drums. I'm adding layers of weird sounds that are kind of bending and, and swirling around just to give you a different feeling and a different texture, a different ambience. That's what I do for. I'm not in there in any way trying to be a joyous virtuoso piano guy. Cause I'm not, I know, I know my limitations. So I get more from the feeling and the sound vibe and the tones that I can put in there. Right. Glad you brought up the, the headphone perspective too, but that's something I think people should, should really get the benefit of with this album. And that was, that was something of listening to some of the songs initially just on my studio monitors, but going, I got to go back and listen to that because I could hear the panning. And I'm like, I want to hear what that right. actually does over my right. head with headphones. And, and it, you did some that's really awesome. cool mixes. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, eight tracks on here, all really good, solid stuff. And like, you don't lose anybody. I don't think on any of these, any of these tracks, how long did it take pretty much between, you know, between doing Karma Sona and, and the static noise? Like, how long did it take to actually write all these tracks? Well, what's kind of funny is a lot of bands, they'll record an album, or they'll write an album, they'll go and record it, then they take a break or whatever, and then they go write and record. We didn't stop writing when we were recording Karma Zone. In fact, Taking Back the Fall could have been on Karma Zone. We intentionally said, nope, we're stopping with the eight songs that we have. Taking Back the Fall is going to lead off the next batch of stuff. Mm coming to the next album. So I'm talking May 2014 when we first played Taking Back the Fall live. Um, it had a couple changes along the way, but we had bits of catalyst at that time. Uh, Fractures had a different time and kind of a different arrangement um, throughout that year. But we played that at our CD release in 2014. Um, I would say a good... I would say a good year and a half of just writing it and then actually recording the album took quite a while. Mm. Uh, I, fl I flew into uh, Maryland in May of 2016. I recorded my drums in two and a half days, like just Friday, Friday to Sunday and done. Um, and then from there, it was everything else. Mm. And depending on what part you're talking about, it, it took a couple months to maybe six months based on Bass took sorry. Bass took a while. Um, I didn't have all the keyboard stuff done, so we were always adding new things in there. Yeah. Um, the mix, I believe, we were done somewhere around April of this year, something like that. April or May, and then a couple months of mastering. Yeah. So we've basically been full haul ever since we started really writing Karma Zone. We haven't stopped mm -hmm. up until now. Right now, we're actually taking a break and not writing anything. We're working on our Kickstarter demos and that kind of stuff okay. and just working on the release of this album. But yeah, um, between Karma Zone and this one, we didn't stop at all. Yeah. Now, it's interesting too. I wonder if that's like a Virginia thing because I know that a couple of bands that I know from Virginia, like especially like A Sound of Thunder, those guys like never <laughs> stop writing. Every time I talk to right. talk to them, Chris is like, "Oh no, we got the next album finished." Like, what? You just finished this one? Oh, yeah, I wrote the next one. Yeah, those guys. One. Those guys are recording album two. They're writing album five. They're <laughs> brainstorming album ten. Yeah, I I don't know how they do that. It's crazy. Um, it's awesome. I love it. The people are that prolific with their writing. That's, that's great. Um, for us, Navid is Captain Riff Machine. He just has a big toolbox of riffs. And every time we have a practice, 
uh, we'll play through a couple of songs and I'll look at him. And I think at this point I can just look at him and he knows I'm going to say, play me something new. Mm-hmm. And he does because he always has something, something going on in there. So yeah, that's for us. I always want to keep thinking of what's next anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, you know, usually with, I, still, I can't call it prog metal because it's not prog metal. <laughs> it's difficulty with this, but what do, you, what do you want to call it? I don't know. It is like I thought. No, it's it's. I don't know. It's genre indefinite. I, I don't know what it is. It's good. That's can what we call it. it prog, can we call it? Can we call it prog grunge? There you go. That works. <laughs> we call it that. But, that, but it's but that's, that brings in the Nirvana stuff and all that, which is really. Uh, I wouldn't call it an influence. I, I appreciate some of that stuff, but. We're definitely even the Allison Chains, Death Tones, yeah. a little bit of sound guard. guys to Porcupine Tree as well. I absolutely love that. I don't really see it, but I love it. Mm. Obviously, I, being I, I can that appreciate genre, that. Though, you, it's not like a real singles-driven genre, but if you were to, no. you were to pick like something off that you would say, that's our single, Did you, would you have any one of these eight that you would call that? For the new album, for the static? Um, uh, <laughs> probably taking back the fall because we did the video for it. I think that's the one that pulls you in the most to what the album's kind of about without being too out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some left turns and some, you know, some deep dives off the cliff a few times in the song, but it's nothing that really throws somebody out. So it's more of our pull me under versus the metropolis. Take Back the Fall. The other one was Light Glass. Yeah, yeah, that that one, if we do another video, I, I, will, I definitely want to either do that one or Fractures. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, we're talking about that now. Oh, nice. Yeah, it def- definitely, though, yeah, Taking Back the Fall seemed to be the, 
as far as you know, kind of a, a music listener at large, that seemed to be probably the most approachable one with kind of more of right. a more definite hook to it. And then I don't know, yeah. Glass has something about it, something about the the, the tempo <laughs> and, and just the overall mood of it that draws you in. That song was funny because for me, when we were writing it, it started off. I don't want to say it was a joke, but it felt like a joke because uh, we had a buddy Larry in the room, and he started doing that kind of um, little Richard kind of thing in the background. And I thought everybody was joking, so I just kind of played along, and then out of nowhere, it turns into a song. And he's like, "No, we're keeping that part." And I said, "Well, at least do something with it. You know, put some distortion on it, or something that sounds so '50s candy." Um, not that there's anything thing wrong with that, but it just it took me a long time to wrap my head around the fact that we're actually going to go that way. But the way the song turned out with all the different movements and it came, it became quite schizophrenic. I love that. Mm. Now you know it's interesting. You know, you talk about doing keyboard parts, and I know a lot of times with with like past original bands with me, and I would always be the guy at the very end that would add keyboard parts and it was i never had a problem coming up with a guitar sound or anything like that but always keyboards were always like ah, it doesn't quite sound right it doesn't quite sound right now do you go through a lot of that as oh, well wow. like, it's no kind of there, but it's not no. What no um for me if you put a I, I say this to everybody if you put a piano in the room and a drum set in the room i'm going to go to the piano first mm. um i i'm i'm very sound driven with keyboards so if I find a patch I like, I write a part based off of it. I don't really write something and then go back and find a different sound. Now, if Naveed writes a piano part or you know whatever and sends it to me, he'll probably use some kind of <laughs> some kind of Disney kind of sound just to get his idea across. And I'll have to go back and and we have a term that we call Kevin Morit where I make it moodier and sadder. Um, and so I'll go and find some way of translating his vision into something that's workable and to our sound or whatever. But for me, no, I, I don't really have that struggle of, of trying to find something because I love going in and experimenting and layering sounds and using all the crazy sense that I can find and layering and padding and mm. distorting and all that stuff. That's that's a gift to have time to do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just it used to always be something with you know. Occasionally, I get one. I'd be like, okay, I know exactly what I want and. And I'd find it and do it. Then a lot of times it'd be like, I'm back to using this pad again. I don't want to use this pad. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. See, well, I guess for me, I will get bored on an actual sense. So everything that I do is pretty much in the box. I don't have a lot of external keyboard hardware. Yeah. So I will get tired of an actual app and say, okay, I'm not using that one on this song at all. Give me something else and I'll go buy something else mm -hmm. just to have a completely different um, approach. So on Chromosome, I used a lot of native instrument stuff. On this one, I used a lot less of that. It was more so atmosphere and alchemy and, and expand and mini grand and that kind of stuff. On my Yamaha, I, I do have an uh, ex external Yamaha motif rack unit that I use quite a bit. So um, for the next stuff, I think I might go rolling and, and uh, dive into the rolling cloud because there's a lot of good stuff in there. Oh yeah, definitely. It's more it's dark it's darker and more industrial. So and we're talking about going darker and more aggressive so I can get grittier with some of the stuff. Yeah. And I mean, occasionally it's too with the Roland stuff. Like I got what did I find? I, I saw on Reverb today a Roland I think it was the Roland Jupiter synth brain, rack mount synth brain. It was like a like hundred and seventy bucks and I, I had to like talk myself out of getting it. I was like Ooh, this would be really cool. Like, you know, screw around. With if I was if I was there, I would have talked you out of talking yourself out of it. <laughs> because yeah, I, I was at uh, Chuck Levin's in Maryland a couple weeks ago, and I saw the Roland System Eight, and I'd never seen that thing before, and I I almost walked out with it. I had no way of getting it back to Colorado, so 
Um, but I have, I have a buddy that might actually hook me up with shipping on that. Nice. That thing's a monster. Nice, nice. Now, it's it's interesting, too, that at least from my perspective, that you kind of you're like you're the drummer and the programmer, and it's it's kind it's kind of a an interesting dichotomy there. Do you do you uh, like you said? Obviously, you like to go to the keyboards first. Is that did you start off on drums and you just kind of like got into the, into the whole programming, or how did that all work? Um, yeah, I started off on drums. I, I started on drums when I was eight. I, I discovered drums when I was three, hearing Rush and Zeppelin. Mm. Um, I got my first drum kit when I was eight, but it was one of those things my dad would go to. Take me to a party with his friends, and there'd be a band playing. There was either a drum set or a piano. I'd always go to the piano. I didn't actually start doing any kind of programming in bands until I joined Iris. I'd always wanted to, and the opportunity opportunity never really presented itself. Um, but they were originally a four piece, where it was two guitars and shared vocals, and the other guitar player also did their keyboards and programming kind of stuff. So he left, and the drummer left. When I came on board and we decided to stay as a three-piece, we were talking about, there's kind of that hole there. Do we want the keyboards there? And I said, oh my God, I would love to do this. Mm. So I've always wanted to do it. I write my own kind of industrial, new age, ambient stuff on my own that nobody will probably ever hear because I don't have time to finish it. But being in my studio working on that stuff, I absolutely love doing it. So it's it's really cool it just worked out this way. Yeah. What's, you know, another thing that's interesting, and, and I, I noticed this across this album, is that, the way that it's even it's it's mixed in it, I think it's probably evident in how you guys write as well. Is that you never noticed anybody standing out in the song? There's, it's not like you got this massive soul that jumps out, or or it, it just everything seems to be all in an even place. You all kind of have an equal an equal presence in the song. Now, is that something that was? Is that actually how you guys write, or is that just how they, it ended up working out in the mix, or how did that work? I think I, I think that comes down to chemistry. Um, because none of it, we've all, everybody's been in a band where there's that one person that always, you know, has to be cranked up louder than, than everyone else. I mean, you look at the police, right? Yeah. So, um, for us, I think it comes down to chemistry with the way that we write the parts because it's so glued together. Either I'm really glued to Navid or I'm glued to Brian, um, or a lot of my keyboard parts are more rhythmic than they are musical. So they're more, more into the drums versus the guitar. Mm. Um, I think it comes down to just how, we're approaching the song and less about because I don't at, at this point I've been playing drums for for so long I would I would not be interested in doing any kind of drum solo on an album it's just, that's just boring to me uh, the people that are, are lost on the the technique side of that great for them I'm not interested in, in practicing polyrhythms I'm act, I'm interested in sitting down and trying to figure out something that speaks to me mm. and being musical with it so the more musical I can be the more I can dive into the other parts of the other guys and it sounds like one solid unit versus anybody snapping on anybody's toes because I don't want to do that yeah and that, I think that's part of what you know what lends me to this thing of trying to like not being able to call it like prog is. Usually in any prog song, there's always, you know, this guy steps out and then this guy steps out and this, but you yeah. kind of keep, you have the movements of prog and, and you, it isn't just, you know, verse, chorus, you know, there's all the different movements, but there isn't that whole, okay, I'm the feature for this eight bars and now I'm the yeah. feature guy for I, this eight bars. Yeah, I think it's more so when, when somebody's supposed to be featured in one of our songs, it's all three of us at the same time. Hmm. So I, using Glass as an example, that song is moody and drivey until the chorus, and then there's that out-of-nowhere 
people have said dream theater. I don't know if I would call it that, but the middle section is a very technical section. We're all three all over the place. Mm-hmm. But then we dive back into the song and it's three people in the same wavelength just modulated down with the vocals soaring over everything. So we're, we're very aware of the vocals place in the song and that's what's driving everything. We just like to use a lot of different ways of getting there. Mm, yeah. You know, another thing too on this that, that's interesting is that, you know, you call the album the static and the noise, but you know, and, and a lot of times when you look at an album's worth of tracks, there's always a song that jumps out if they're going to title the album after one of the songs. But I, I look right. at all eight song titles, and they are all, like, awesome album titles. Like, how the hell did you do that? Every <laughs> single one of them is an awesome album title. Um, I, that one, I don't know. Uh, the, the title itself, we had a couple of different titles we were working with for a while. In fact, the cover art is based off of one of the other titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't... We didn't take something from the static and the noise and, and try to come up with a way of illustrating that. Um, I don't know. I, for, for me, We All Dissolve is the, song, the only song on the album that I wrote the lyrics to, and I had the title first. Anything else, I don't think I was really that involved in the titles for those were pretty much in the beats. Mm. Um, I, yeah, trying to think back. Hold on. No, all of it pretty much so was him. So that's more of a question if you ever intend to talk to him. That's what, he came up with the majority of the titles this time. Mm. On Karma Zone, I came up with several of the titles like apathy reigns and then spirals and a couple others nice nice yeah and actually i i always like that title we all dissolve because i'm thinking wow like that's a if you know you end up writing this song about like about about death and and like like, yeah wow we all dissolve and i just i started just the title alone got me really like in a weird like thought pattern i don't i don't know but it it, yeah well that's that's the idea i mean the song is about the fear of dying with uh unresolved conflict Mm. It can be with anybody, and for me, it, it's a for me it's a struggle with myself and my father. Mm. So the, the the lyrics are almost you know back and forth of me talking to myself, blaming him for everything, and vice versa. Uh-huh. And then the sampled voices throughout the song are from our Kickstarter supporters that uh, pledged for a certain tier where they could be um, sampled for a song. And I just said to them, "Okay, re- record yourself talking about your worst relationship." Mm. And all of them came back with the same kind of thing where it was alcohol-based. I didn't tell them to do that, and all of them did that. And that was, that's kind of the crux of my relationship with my father is the alcohol thing. So it was very weird that that happened, and it takes it even to a darker place, especially with how the song intensifies and intensifies and goes to the climax of the other song. Mm. Yeah, it, it, so, it's, it's a really cool song. And just like I said, just the title alone just it just makes you think, which I think is a mark of a good song. If just that starts you thinking about it. Thank you, I appreciate that. So I know you guys have gone out on uh, you know, a couple of different tours, play with a lot of different bands. Now with with this album coming out, do you uh, do you have more, uh, more like a tour behind this scheduled or in the works? We just um, we are actually looking at a couple of different options. Um, if we don't get to do anything later this year, as soon as the album comes out, maybe we'll do a couple select shows around the Baltimore or uh, DC area. Mm-hmm. We definitely want to get out next year and do something big, though. So we're looking at a couple couple of different options. Nice. nice. Nothing that I, nothing that I can speak to now, though. Okay. Well, if you ever, you know, if you get up around the Boston area, then uh, I'll definitely come out. We've week. been to Boston. We, yeah, we, we came to Boston. We were in Boston in uh, 2015. Okay. That was great. I love that. As soon as we hang up, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a place that uh, uh, Sound of Thunder has played several times. I can't come up oh, with a name. Okay, bro. so uh, so you guys played in Alston. Um, uh, it's actually it was actually technically it was. Uh, forgive me. 
Wooster. Oh, so you did play the Palladium. Worcester? Yeah, Worcester? No, it wasn't, it, it wasn't the Palladium. Was it Ralph um, Steiner? Yes, Ralph okay. Steiner. There you go. Right. There's only, there's no, only we like played there with, We played there with Mind Maze. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. Those guys are pretty prolific, too. Yeah, we, we toured with them um, we toured with them in 2015 and 2016 and I think we play a show with them at least once every year nice. since 2014 or maybe even 13. Yeah, 13 we played with them. <laughs> so, we just played with them 2 weeks ago. Nice, nice. Yeah, they got they do some great stuff as well. <laughs> Um, as far as you know, people, you know, listening to this and they're going, you know what? We want to, we want to check out. We want to find out more about these guys. Uh, where's the best places online for them to go and find out more about you? Hook up with you guys, talk to you. Right, uh, Facebook is always the easiest. Uh, we have all of our links to our website there. Um, we also have a big cartel store where you can go and pre-order the album now. Right now, it's for twelve bucks. Once we actually release it, it'll be fifteen. Um, with some shirts on there. We're also coming up with some new shirt designs based off of this album. So, um, yeah, Facebook is usually the best. Nice. nice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, that kind of stuff, yeah. Cool, cool. And uh, it's interesting now talking to the drummer because usually I talk to, to, you know, either the the, the guitarist or the singer, and I always find that they're always, when I ask them this question and they're so close to the material that they're like, oh, it's, it's everything, but... Right now, looking at this, and I know you've lived with this for, for quite a while now, what's right. the track that really speaks to you the most on this right now? That's probably Echoes, actually. Mm. Echoes, for some reason, um, I don't know, the, the chorus, the way the chorus comes together, came together was really, really awesome for me, especially from a keyboard standpoint. Um, the drums aren't all that flashy on it, which, for me, takes self-control. 
um, which is always a good thing to have. I, I really like how that song came together. It's either that one or um, if I can give it an order. So number one, two, and three would be an echo. It would be echoes, glass, and then dissolve, hmm. or maybe glass and dissolve are tied for for second. Definitely, so. definitely good choices. And of course, you know, echoes, effigies. I'm, I look at that and go, "That's a great rush track right there." That's like that's a rush <laughs> title. That's cool. And in fact, you know, you know, speaking of rush too, there was actually. I think it was, I want to say it was like glass that it was a certain section. And I was like, damn, like no one ever mentioned Rush, but like I'm hearing Rush right now. I saw that in a review and the, review, the, the guy that wrote the review, oh my God, so flattering. He, he said that some part in the second verse reminded him, he said it was like, this guy's a Neil Peart clone. And I, <laughs> I only read it. I don't believe it. It's, it was the most flattering thing in the world. But I also don't see my, I, I love Rush. I love Neil Peart. My influences come more from uh, Primus or uh, or Porcupine Tree or that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which I guess comes from the pyramid that leads into Rush, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's holy flattery. I don't even know what else to say to, to something like that. Def- definitely, there's a lot of stuff people I think can pull out of this album, and uh, it's going to be cool when it gets out there and people get to hear it. Uh, I think it's definitely uh, one that was just you know a pretty pretty much a surprise to me listening to it and i was like wow i'm just i am really really digging this it's it's different it's refreshing cool. and uh and i'm glad there's guys like you that are still out there willing to take chances <laughs> and, and sticking sticking to your guns on it so uh you know i appreciate that it. it's been awesome talking to you chris and uh you know hope you guys have a new one coming out I'd love to have you guys come back on the show well again thank you for taking a little chunky of friday night out to uh talk to us here on focus on metal i appreciate it and uh I will uh, definitely email you back and give you my, my thoughts on, uh, on Karma Zone. Cool. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. What do you say? Just to wrap up the Iris Divine interview, I play you one from their first full-length EP, Karma Zone. This one's called The Everlasting Sea.
right. Big thanks to Chris Combs for taking the time to talk to us all about the brand new Iris Divine album, The Static and the Noise. If you haven't picked that one up, it's pretty much available everywhere. Amazon, CD Baby. You can also get it from uh, their website, which I mentioned is irisdivineband.com. Also, a store link there. If you want to get yourself a T-shirt, CD combo, you can do that. It's like 30 bucks right off of their big cartel store. And as I mentioned again, that is irisdivineband.com. So we get a little bit of time left this week just to squeeze in a few more tracks for you before I get out of here for the week. And I figure I'll start it off with a new one from Autograph. That's right, Autograph's put out a brand new album. It's called Get Off Your Ass. Features the founding members uh, Steve Lynch, the uh, fleet-fingered guitarist from the original Autograph, as well as bassist Randy Rand. Added a brand new rhythm guitarist, brand new drummer, all of the guys doing vocals. And as I mentioned, put out a brand new album. It's called Get Off Your Ass. A lot of guitar-centric stuff in here, which of course I think at this point that uh, Steve Lynch is driving the bus. And for us, that's pretty good because uh, songs got a little bit heavier on this one. And as I said, a little more guitar-centric. That one really works for me. And this one is a title track from Autograph, Get Off Your Ass. don't have time for any more stuff. I really thought I was going to get a sandwich of uh, Chris Combs in the middle and a bunch of new music to either side when I was kind of mapping this out, storyboarding the episode. Thought I was going to have pretty much plenty of time on both sides, but as I'm mixing this and editing it down, it's coming down to... Holy crap, I am out of time for the week. So I hope you enjoyed our interview with Chris Combs and maybe uh, go out there and purchase yourself a copy of The Static and the Noise as well as their prior release, 
Karma Sohn. And also, just to point out that at the tail end of that, right before the last section of Talking with Chris, also played a track from Mind Maze, and that is off of their album called Resolve. A little track called Abandon. As I mentioned, those guys are pretty prolific, always putting out some good stuff, and that was their latest release that was actually funded through Kickstarter called Resolve. And as far as the other stuff, well, I said what it was as it was going by, so I would urge you to go back, check that stuff out, and maybe pick yourself a copy up of some of those great albums as well. If you're digging it, always new bands, new albums coming out all the time, and hopefully we'll be able to keep bringing that stuff to you week after week. And speaking of week after week, definitely have some more great stuff coming down the pike for you. I know that uh, Richie did an in-person with uh, Biff Byford of Saxon right before their Worcester Palladium show. So that will be coming your way as soon as I actually get the audio files to edit. As I mentioned way at the beginning of the show, we have that career retrospective with James Kotak. That might actually be a two-parter, just like the Doug Aldrich one was. You know, we are in November, so Richie is furtively trying to uh, meet that goal of finishing up the Kerrang! project in a single year and trying to set up a few last-minute interviews with uh, some key people there. So we'll see how that goes. And we have another three or four interviews as well that we have to do some work on to bring your way. And then, I don't know, he keeps popping up with more stuff for us, which is great because it's definitely keeping the train moving here at Focus on Metal. But for this week, there ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.